0: Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Globalcom, in which we take the time to speak with small cap executives after they put out important news. With us today, Neil Sweeney, CEO of Reclaim My ID, MYID in Canada, MyIDf, MYIDf in the US. Listen to these numbers because you're going to understand Reclaim. Facebook, 5 billion dollars. Didi Global, 1.2 billion. Amazon, 877 million. Instagram, 400 Meta 390, WhatsApp 266, Google 170, TikTok, Apple 8 and 16. What are those? These are just some of the fines levied against global platforms for breaching consumer data privacy rules as the global data industry enters into a major paradigm shift towards protecting data, and it's not coming back. Why? Because for years, consumer data has been amalgamated and sold our data without our knowledge. This is where reclaim comes in. They've got the solution, and they've essentially created the Spotify personal data. What they're doing is creating a fair trade market where we decide consumers and profit on how our data is used. So, for example, Britney Spears, Kanye West, you know the rest of them. Every artist gets paid for use of their music every time it's streamed on Spotify. Well, now consumers should and now do have the same right to be paid every time their data is streamed, uh, used by big companies. So Reclaim is doing this right now. They've got a user-friendly platform that makes it easy for us to upload and manage our data, set our own prices, and receive payments direct to our bank account, all while making sure strict protocols are in place to ensure it's private and secure. And more than just lip service, because a lot of companies are talking the talk, they just announced record revenues for the year with 135% growth. For the full year, they've got a 2.36 million from just over a million last year. Q4 is up 58% to a record. These are all records to just just under $720,000. Gross margin is exploding. We're going to talk about that. And record revenue, uh, recurring revenue, sorry, now is 86% compared to 73% last year. Some of their customers include Microsoft, T-Mobile, hp hasbro amtrak you name it neil congratulations welcome back my friend
1: thanks george i always
0: like when you get started there i always think there should be like
1: some sound effect or music playing in the background
0: it's like <laughs> dramatic cue the dramatic hollywood yeah. hollywood or stream some music from spotify get yeah. those guys paid to make the point even more so how happy are you with these results big big picture first how happy are you with these results and how happy should shareholders be?
1: Uh, well, I'm never happy. So let's just put that on the table. That's so, true. Like, I mean, I'm kind of, that's just not my sort of personality. Like, you know, I think, I mean, I'm happy with the direction that we're going in. Um, anybody that's been in the small cap market in 2022 can kind of feel the pain associated with that. Like, look, that's a tough year. That's a really tough year for a lot of companies. We're not excluded from that, uh, and I think, you know, primarily the last nine months of 2022, um, we really doubled down on kind of trying to trying to trying to push this company, you know, towards profitability. With the idea there being that, you know, we were we were we were talking to guys like yourself and writing in our MDA that you know we thought that the market was going to get soft. Uh, and that, you know, for us as a company, like we wanted, we didn't want to be a high growth company that was burning a bunch of cash. Um, we wanted to accelerate towards profitability. And so, you know, we we made a lot of, we made a lot of strides and took a lot of steps to kind of get to that. And I mean, some of them are pretty painful for sure. But I think like the trajectory showing, you know, you, you mm-hmm. made reference to the revenue, the margin, etc. You know, I, I think what I'm most happy about uh, is is most of the time when people start to streamline costs, they they sort of they tend to lose momentum on the top line. We've managed to continue momentum on the top line while massively removing costs on the bottom line. So you have this compounding of margin, which is manifesting on the p and l. Um, that's the part I'm happy about is growing growing the top line while while simultaneously stripping out redundant costs to grow margin. And we've done that you know quarter over quarter over quarter. And you know the reality is is that, um, it's only it's only going to get better from here um, because of some of the things that we were contracted to do in 2022 we are now no longer contracted to do in 2023 and so you know we expect that we expect that margin accretion to continue to compound here and in, in, you know in, in going forward for sure
0: neil i love the fact that your revenues are up 135 percent and you're setting records top line margin and you're like I'm never happy, but if I have to find a couple of things I'm happy about, it's these. Anybody I, I, watching or listening to this should be should really pay attention to that because it means you are almost insatiable and there's more to come. Let me ask you without putting you – I know you can't make projections, but Q4, 700, you know, ballpark 720,000, I extrapolate that, that's you know, 2.9 million without accounting for any growth, and you guys are obviously growing. Can we expect another record year in, in, uh, in 2023? Yes,
1: period, like for sure. I mean, I think, you know, again, I've been doing this for a while. I mean, the intention here is not to grow this business like 25%. The intention of this business is to grow this business as big and as fast as possible. Um, now, there's a throttle on that where we can only handle so much growth. Uh, but we go into every year, every year, thinking, how are we doubling revenue? Like, that's, that, that's, the, that's the starting point. It doesn't mean that we're always going to necessarily be successful. But at this stage, um, you should be. And I would say that, you know, the law of large numbers will suggest it gets harder and harder to double revenue as you get bigger. But, you know, I'm not interested in running a business that, you know, does $2.1 million in top line revenue like no offense but i'm not like that's not <laughs> like it's not like, i it, love it man it you know and i i appreciate that everybody wants this thing to be 10 million or 20 million over o- overnight the possibility here is not 2.1 million dollars the possibility here is not doubling 2000 in like uh 22 revenue that's not you know that's not what is interesting to me is what's interesting to me is you have 7 billion consumers on the planet today, all of which that have a data profile, nobody is being compensated. Nobody has transparency. Nobody has control. You know, you're dealing with a somewhere between a 500 billion to a trillion dollar market with no consumer inclusion.
0: Jesus,
1: That's what's interesting to me. So, you know, I, I think I've had some success in building businesses and selling them. Um, the smart person kind of takes their money and goes home this, the reason I'm involved in this business is because of the upside, not because of the $2.1 million in 2022 revenue or the potential to grow at hundred percent. Like that's nice. But, uh, if the, if the end game here was, we hope to grow it, you know, that we're going to be satisfied growing revenue hundred percent in 2023, like we're kind of missing the mark. It's the 7 billion consumers on the planet with no access. And as you mentioned before, like our plan is to build basically a consumer royalty for everybody on the planet to allow them to be compensated if and when their data is used. We get that right. We won't ever be talking about $2.1 million in top of revenue.
0: So let's dive into that for a second because I want to make sure people understand that. There was a time when streaming came along and people thought, ah, you know, I buy my music from iTunes and I buy my music from traditional places. What's streaming, right? It's not, it's not a really big business. It's not going to be a big business. And you know, hence now we have Spotify. And that's the only business, that's the only game in town. You're building the Spotify for consumer data. So instead of you know Justin Bieber or Michael Jackson or whatever, it's George Cholas, right? Essentially on a platform. And if somebody wants my data, you know, they use it. I got to get paid for that because that's essentially what you're setting up. Is is it or do you foresee a time? I mean, and how long will it take when we're all Spotifying, quote unquote, our data and we're all just making money from our data and we're splitting it with Reclaim because you're obviously the broker who's bringing us together the way Spotify is bringing together artists and consumers. Well,
1: so a couple of things. Um, you should own Reclaim as a stock because you believe that that's the direction the world is going in. You know when people say, "Why should I own the stock?" You know, you don't own the stock because of the two point one million dollars in revenue. You own the stock because you believe that the world of data is changing, and that the world of data is not going to be the way it was in the past. And if you sort of step back from what's happening in the market, it's all around you. The narrative around TikTok in the United States, that's all about privacy. You know, if you look at, antitrust around Google and Facebook. It's all around data and privacy. If you look at all the new state regulations, which are now in the enforcement period in the United States, it's all around privacy. So there's this drumbeat or tailwind, which is actually creating, you know, change in the market. Um, I, I appreciate that I'm biased here, but like, it's so obvious. And if it's you,
0: all, no, I gotta tell you, if it wasn't, I would say, come on, Neil, you're you're hoping that everyone's gonna grow ostrich eggs and you wanna be the main provider yeah. of ostriches. And I don't I would call you out on it, but the fact of the matter is, this is there's no doubt about it. It's like it's a it's a lock. I spend a lot of, you know, if you read
1: the, you know, our our MDNA for like Q4, like I spent a lot of time sort of outlining like step by step specifically as to like what's been happening. So, like, look, this privacy genie is is definitely sort of out of the bottle. I, I think that my personal belief is that you know, we, we, we operate in a market today where we as consumers send data out, right? So think of like Nielsen's sends data to Facebook, to TikTok, to Google, to Amazon. The narrative amongst those individual companies is that once you do that, that data is then theirs. You lose all right and title associated to that data the moment that you, you do that. Um, does anybody think that that is copacetic? Like the answer is no. So the only way you can change the, change the world of data is you must invert it. So rather than Neil sending data out to Amazon, Google, Facebook, the Wall Street Journal, it needs to invert where those companies come to Neil to query and, and ask for permission to use the data. It's the inversion that we are basically doing. We're literally turning the market on its head. And you can do that. You know, the the reality is is that if you maintain, if you maintain the consent at the individual level, and not at the thousands of individual company levels, um, you can change consent at one center hub, and it will naturally update kind of everywhere else. And that's where you come in. That's right? where we come in. And so we're the I center think hub. We're the center hub, and I think the issue that you have in the data market today, and just to be candid, nothing will change. Um, You have all these issues regarding data breaches and security and like the problem with that is because you're literally sending data out to thousands and thousands of individual firms creating inherently like security, security holes. So you're playing whack-a-mole, you'll never be able to change that unless you invert the way in which data is used so you know the intention with reclaim is one. You need a destination that consumers can identify with that they can rally around. That's why we have the brand of reclaim, which speaks to this idea of reclaim you from them. Then you have to have a like a a, a redemption rail so that you know if you at George Com decide to actually use Neil's data, that Neil can be compensated. Don't lose sight of this. You know, we've been around three or four years. We've never missed a payment. Like that's a promise that we've made to consumers where every week, you are getting a consistent dividend associated to your data. Now, you might not like the number or you might want it bigger. I get that. But point to me to any company in the world that has created a dividend, a royalty for, you know, all these individual consumers every single week
0: for like. You got to start somewhere. You got to start somewhere, right? The first streamers on Spotify weren't making a ton of money on day one. So I think what you know what we've done here is
1: we've kind of we've built the infrastructure to allow this to 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 happen. Now it's not doesn't mean that there's not iterations to it, but you know, if if it just the fact that we're we have a payment rail, that we have a destination, that we're providing transparency, those are things that nobody else in the world is doing. Like we're the only platform that's providing consumers with transparency on their data that's in the market. We're the only platform that kind of is, you know, ex- that is consumer facing. We're the only platform that is actually, you know, paying users every week, week in, week out. That is a promise that we've never, we've never tripped on. Um, I tell everybody, I'm like, you don't have to invest in Reclaim or believe in Reclaim, but I would encourage you to look around the public or private market, find somebody further ahead than us. I don't think you're going to find somebody, and that's not me being arrogant. That's just me saying, like, look, I've been doing this for a while. This is hard. It's really hard, but like, if you believe in this space. And you can find another company that is doing this better than us. You should invest in that. I don't think you will, but that's just, you know, obviously unbiased. I love that confidence.
0: And by the way, it's not just Neil and Reclaim trying to invert the flow. You've also got government legislation that's basically forcing companies to reevaluate. I read off all the fines at the top of this interview, right? So this isn't just you saying, Hey, Google, Meta, Amazon—you're gonna to have to do it my way—and they say, "Get the hell out of here, Neil. We're gonna do it the way we always have." It's the government legislation that's pushing the market towards you, right? It be even if it's hard, and the companies don't want to go—they're getting pushed there. So, how big of a help is that to your to your you know when at wins at your back? It's a privacy
1: relay race. It's the best way to think about it. You know, you know, the person that's running kind of that initial leg of that four by one hundred here is. The government. So the European government ran the first leg of the race. They handed the baton to the state level government in the United States, who in turn handed the baton to Apple and Google, who changed, you know, functions in their actual products to eliminate the amount of data that's floating out of their products, who've in turn handed it to the consumer who's gained kind of more awareness around what's actually been happening with their data historically and what's happening now. And now the consumer is handing it to a bunch of class action attorneys in various different states who are gonna sue the hell out of like all these companies that basically have this data. So that's the relay race that's taking place today. Um, The best way to think about it is Europe is running the first leg of that race. They hand the baton to the state level privacy regulators in the United States, who in turn then hand the baton to the OEM manufacturers like Apple and Google, who in turn then hand the baton to the consumers because the consumers are now alerted more to like how their data is being used, who in turn then the consumer hands that actual baton to lawyers specifically in the class action world and around and around we go. So, you know, I think the important thing to understand is that um, all this stuff is happening. You know, the European laws are restricting data use. The United States laws are restricting data use. You know, here, you're in the enforcement period in 2023 where two states are in the enforcement period and you're going to have three more come online, you know, in total, those five states uh, represent over a hundred million people. Uh, so all the big
0: ones, California, right. It's the big It's not Wyoming. It's Cal it's where the most of the t- transactions take place. It's the big ones. And
1: so, you know, you're, so I think what's happening is that, you know, as a consequence of this, you know, of uh, this of this privacy legislation, then you have it, it's really accelerated by the changes that Apple's made. So you know, obviously, Apple created advanced ad tracking, which you know obviously I- impacted literally every every company that was using data coming out of an Apple device. It's, you, we've talked about this before, but Facebook took a 10 billion dollar write down associated to that, as did every other applications. But you know, I think what's kind of lost in that is that. You know, Apple's also introduced, you know, private relay, which obfuscates your email address when you're using it. You know, they've also introduced, you know, connect or login with Apple, which does the same thing. You know, slowly but surely what Apple is doing is Apple's entire strategy internally right now is to really differentiate specifically on privacy, not on design, not on processing power, on privacy. And so when one of the world's largest companies doubles down on privacy, you know, you should take notice. Google doing the exact same thing, you know, they're doing it for different reasons. But you know, Google has historically supplied data to a market to other companies, to allow those individual companies to, to really compete with them. That's over, you know, Google is slowly but surely turning off the tap or the oxygen in the room, starving all those other companies of the data that you know, they've used to compete products to, to build. They've products. actually stated it that they're doing it. They've actually stated it, that they're phasing it in. And in a lot of ways, you know, what's funny is that, you know, Google is increasingly getting more aggressive on privacy than even Apple. And so, you know, what's happening with both Apple and Google is these are the two companies that have supplied more data to the market than any other companies. And all, both of them are basically moving to a zero emission model. No emission, no data emission. from these <laughs> like That's a good way of looking at it. So what happens to, you know, the thousands of companies who've historically like relied on this data in the past? Or the brands who've used this data. You know, these brands have to find new partners that can provide compliant data that has scale. You know, I think Reclaim is that solution. So um, th- this privacy, th- this world of privacy and, and data rights is, is, is accelerating. And it's consistently accelerating from, you know, 21 to 22, 22 to 23. And, like, that's our opportunity. Our opportunity is to participate, really, in that acceleration.
0: Devil's advocate. Obviously, you're one of the smartest guys in the room, but like any competitive business, you're not or you're probably not going to be the only smartest guy in the room. So what's competition look like today? And B, you've already said competition may be may be coming or may be there, but it's incredibly difficult to do the way you guys have already proven you can do it. So talk to us a little bit about the competitive landscape, because it behooves us to at least mention what's going on competition-wise. Well, we've had lots of
1: competitors since we started this business and every one of them has died. Um, we're the only one that's managed to basically get over the wall. So there will be companies that come in and out of the market. Um, if those companies, you know, have the stamina and the discipline and the knowledge to stick with us, good for them. Uh, but we've been doing this for a while and companies have tried to basically keep up with us in this space and every single one of them is basically expired. So look, there's competition in the market. I mean we're not naive to believe that we're going to, you know, we're not, we're going to like be the only guy in the space. Like Facebook's not the only social network and uh, Uber has Lyft, you know? So, you know, there's plenty of room here. I think, you know, our, our solution is, is that uh, we, we've, we, we've learned a lot since we started and I think we've learned a lot from doing things wrong too. So, you know, when I see new companies come into the space uh, they're often literally making mistakes that we made three years ago. And so I kind of like, well, I know how that's going to work out. So this is a very difficult space. You know, you're, you're literally trying to take, you know, a $500 billion market that's international. That's, you know, kind of data's all over the place. And like, you're trying to put it back in a box. It's really hard. And if you can figure that out, you know, from a product and from an engineering point of view, then, you know, how are you going to scale and how are you going to sell it? You know? So for us, you know, we're working with Fortune 500 brands. I've worked with these brands for 20 years. Um, I believe that we kind of have the credibility with these brands. These companies have supported me in all my different businesses. So, you know, as we continue to return, you know, you know, Fortune 500 brands and expand brands into new verticals as privacy legislation continues to inflect, and then we can potentially take these brands into new markets. I mean, there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of runway here for us to grow the business. So like, I think it's a fool's game to focus on competition. I mean, it just usually means that you're insecure in what you're doing. Um, we focus on what we're doing, and I think uh, I think the intention is is that I'm not interested in the competition. I think the competition is probably more interested in us, and so our plan is: look, we're going to put the we're going to we're going to press play on this gas pedal. We're going to go as
0: fast as possible. And if you can keep up with us, good for you. Neil, That's- you may be the most confident small cap CEO assassin. I've ever had on a Gorecom. man. I love it. I love it. It does. And by the way, that's a lot different from for, for you and for everybody watching, listening from being uh, a promoter who's got the optimum optimism. George says, oh, "I'm going to be the greatest widget company in the world." That's not you. You're just an assassin. I love it. Last point I want to make is uh, we touched on it. I think it's important because sometimes people margin the. They, ah, they kind of they you know they they don't really focus on it, but in this environment right now where you know crypto chains are failing silicon valley bank almost took out half the you know silicon valley tech startups money's harder to come by risk is off the biggest problem in the small cap world is george com widgets just did you know 2.3 million dollars in revenue but i lost you know a million dollars a year doing it which is the typical growth story right typically the growth story is you know, uh, I'm going to try and reduce my, my expenses, but uh, uh, for now, I'm just growing like, like a, like a, like a bat. Um, But that doesn't wash anymore right now. Small cap investors risk off or concern about is George Com going to be alive? You, you, your margins way up and you bring your losses way down. Do you expect to be without making projections hitting profitability, you know, this year, next couple of quarters, ballpark. How do you see that? Yeah, that's the
1: plan you know, I mean, so just to kind of riff on what you were saying. So again, I think we're a year ahead of everybody else as it relates to kind of making the moves around the economy and the capital markets. If you literally go back to like last year's MDNA, I literally talk about, okay, 2022, we're going to start to strip out costs. Like I literally said that I'm like, we're going to start to, we've got scale. Uh, now we're going to start to like drive margin here. At the end of Q1, I basically said, we're accelerating this because we're not confident that the market is going to go in the direction that we want to go in. So that sounds eerily familiar to kind of like what we're hearing in the market today. So, I mean, I think we, we were, you know, I say this all the time is that, you know, the smaller the company, the sooner you feel the impact of like the economy, sort of the smaller the company, the sooner you feel the impact of the economy. So like you can almost like smell the gas. It's like, "Mm, I don't like the direction this is going in. So for us, you know, I think what we made a decision was we want to be a high technology company, but we don't want to be to be a high technology company like burning, you know, a ton of cash on the back end. Um, We want to accelerate our way to to profitability. And I think the last, you know, few quarters is kind of demonstrating that. The question is really going to be, when can we show that first profitable quarter? Um, That's the goal, right? So I think everything that we did in 22 was to kind of get us into a position where we can show that first profitable quarter. I think that's the new normal. You know, I think, you know, for people to come back into small cap, they've got to have visibility that you're on that path. Yeah. They've got to have it because they're, they're you know, there's a lot of, they have a lot of choice as to what they want to invest in. And so.
0: Yeah. I they're going to stay awesome. away from George Cobb Cause you're going to say, I love that business, but they're losing a million dollars a year. I just can't take a chance that they go bankrupt tomorrow because they can't raise money. And you're yeah, not but- going to be at that. You're not looking like you're going to be in that position.
1: Not, nothing, you know, I, I think like we don't want to, we don't want to have this dependence on the market, you know, for the existence of this business. Like that just isn't the direction that we want to go in. Um, it's all about kind of driving profitability. I think that creates a new narrative. I, th- I think that puts a new floor underneath this stock. And I think it's from there that you kind of go up. Um, if you look at what we've done over the past number of quarters, track the margin is what I would tell you as an investor. i like, you know, track the margin, the margin gets better and better and better and better. Like literally go back over the last four quarters. In 2022 and track the margin and then do your own analysis as to where you think that's going to net out in Q1. Whatever you come up
0: with is low. It's low, it's, it's that's that's going to be lower than where we're going to end up. Like, so, and I'm with- just going to give some people some data at home because not everyone's going to be able to do that. But gross margin from Q3 to Q4 grew 59%. So you went from 16% growth, one, six, 16% margin to 26% gross margin. That's a pretty big move in one quarter, man. Yeah. And it's static with that in a year. Forget about a quarter. And that's the
1: direction, you know, again, like you can't get to profitability unless you're growing the gross margin. Like that's just basic econ, right? So like, you know, I think for us is that that's been our path. So you're starting to basically see that. So, you know, our, our plan is to continue to grow top line. Our plan is to continue to grow margin. You know, here's another thing that, you know, people always fixate on. You can focus on the top line, top line's ego. At the end of the day, it really comes down to, it really comes down to the profitability is that you can grow all the top line, but if you're burning tens of millions of dollars on the back end, who cares? Like there's technically no floor under your stock. In this market, there's no capital, right? Like there's capital, I'm exaggerating. Like there's capital, but the cost of capital is extraordinary. And I think what you've seen with like, what you mentioned before with crypto, the economy, inflation, and now with like SVB and others, this isn't a public market thing. This is a public and private market thing. Like these VCs are looking at their portfolios and cu- and culling the bottom twenty percent. Those companies are gonna get starved out.
0: So yeah, they're gonna say you're cut off. George calm, buddy, you're, we love you, but we're cutting you off because you're not gonna be profitable for three years and we can't
1: we can't afford. Yeah. So I think for us, what we don't want to be is, you know, the company hat in hand kind of running around, like, you know, always sort of looking for, you know, looking for capital on a quarter by quarter basis. Like, first of all, that's inherently inefficient. It's super noisy. uh, And like, it doesn't really scale. So, you know, there'll be be times in the future that maybe we raise capital. But I think our goal is nothing would please me more if I never had to raise capital again, to be honest, because like it saves me. I'm the guy that's got to raise it. So it's like, it, it takes me away from actually running this business and I'm best served being on the business, driving sales, driving product. I mean, clearly I can raise money, but like, I would rather work, I would rather work on the product and driving the top line. So if I can create profitability underneath this business, we we definitely reduce the noise in this business. And then, you know, I think it gives people direction and confidence that, you know, look, I'm tracking this company quarter over quarter. They're getting better and better and better and better. And now, su- surprise, like, you know, now they're now they're profitable. That's our goal. Our goal is to try to get that to the investor to say, like, we're now profitable. Whether it's five bucks or five hundred grand, I don't know. But like, the first step is really is getting to that. Is that going to be in Q1 or Q2? I don't know. But yeah. like, that's my focus, right? Yeah, now. we're not looking
0: for you to have a Google bottom line. I think the small cap world. The sooner you just get over that hump, even if it's five dollars, you're over the hump of George Com bleeding cash, and you're no longer the bleeding cash. And that, in my personal opinion, no financial advice to anybody at home, so don't take it as that. But you know, that's a massive uh, that's a massive bubble to get over there because it eliminates a ton of risk, and suddenly gives you a big differentiator over companies that could be ha- that might have two or three times your revenue. But they're bleeding cash so neil congratulations man amazing uh year amazing quarter and i and q1's probably you know your q1 was done march 31st so i'm assuming by may 15-ish if not earlier you'll have your q1 out and we'll be able to get another peak there but in the meantime 30 congratulations 30 days to, to you, man. 30 days to q1 30 all right yeah so i think they allow 45 don't they but you're gonna do it in 30 you're saying
1: Yeah. The intention is like, I'm like, again, it takes this time to close it. Like Q4 always takes the the longest. So I've been chomping at the bit to get this out mainly because me looking backwards, is not something I like to do. I'm kind of a go forward type of guy. So I'm like, let's, can we get, can we get done with like the number that feels like it was like nine, nine years ago and get on to like where we
0: are? Like yeah, it's April 5th or 6th right now. We're talking about the numbers as of December 31st and you want to show us the numbers. As of March 31st. so Yes, because those aren't really, again, like it, a quarter here is dog years,
1: right? So like a quarter, like what we did last quarter, that's like, feels like dog years. Like what we've done in the last quarter, that's more representative of where we are. What we're doing in this quarter, like obviously the closer you get to the present is more representative of what's actually happening. But, you know, again, we have the same, this is the, this is the challenge of the public markets and having the audited financial system.
0: But anyway, it's done. It's
1: cool. It's out. Um, I'm looking forward to getting the Q1 number
0: out. Can't wait to have you back, man. Cannot wait to have you back. But for now, we're celebrating record revenue for the year, record revenue in Q4, record margin, all of it, right across the board, you kicked ass. And, uh, you know, have a beer on us this week, this long weekend, uh, and then we'll be back at it when the Q1 comes out, my friend. Yeah, no problem. Okay, George, thanks so much everybody at right home, you've been watching or you've been listening to my podcast on Spotify, Google, Apple, your favorite podcast platform. To Neil Sweeney, CEO of Reclaim, right above his shoulder there. MYID in Canada. MYIDF, you can see that all around the screen as well. To start your due diligence, get the company's profile page on Gorecom because this is a very new business. Not everybody understands what this is. So we got it there in layman's terms. And then head over to the Reclaim site, do your deep dive due diligence. Just don't say 12 months from now. We didn't tell you so. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Hey guys, this video's over, but don't forget to help your company by liking it and even leaving a comment below. And then don't forget to help yourself by subscribing to our channel and never missing another great Agoracom small cap video.